With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Tech, NBA Draft Podcast. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Ginn. Albert, how we doing? How we feeling this week? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I'm getting more and more jealous of the cool green screen behind you um and all the cool graphics you have behind you i do want to give you a shout out once again dude our intro video with the music and like you know we've always heard it on the pod but to see it like with the video looks so cool um i I just love everything that we're doing but i'm I'm feeling good i'm feeling good i do want to start off by saying i was very surprised uh by who you wanted to talk about today you really hit me with a curveball there um, I thought it would be somebody totally else. Like I, I really didn't think we'd talk about this prospect for a while, but I'm excited, man. I, I watched a ton of tape. I'm re- I'm ready to pick your mind because I, I think he's going to be an interesting guy to talk about because I thought we'd be talking about him months from now, but here we are. So I, I'm I'm excited. All right. Well, so the reasoning why I pitched him, you know, there there's a few reasons I think. One we launched no ceilings last week. And one of the things that we did for the launch was we collaborated with the whole no ceilings team by breaking down each conference um, each day. And one of the things I noticed is he was a very popular prospect um, between a lot of the teammates on, on no ceilings, myself included. So that was one thing. Um, that got me excited about him. Two, I had I had watched his tape a little bit before we um, we did the pieces and the and the previews, and you know I'm sure we'll get into how exciting he is as a a, a prospect. And uh, I think some of the other guys that we haven't hit for the preseason stuff, I think you know maybe we'll probably tackle some of those guys early on because we're getting close. You know, we're starting to get some exhibition games going on. Oh, yeah. A lot of games that don't mean anything. Some highlights that look like they're playing against my varsity team. So I think some of those guys that maybe we didn't hit in the, you know, over the the off season, will hit earlier on. And I feel like Davison's a guy that we could hit now because we're still early enough that we could hit his his high school tape, but. I think that he could be a guy that's either going to like really see a, a rise in his draft stock or see a complete even plummet. Um, right. You know, so I, I just think there's a, a lot that could happen to him between now and whenever we cover him. So I figure let's, let's do it now and see uh, what happens later on in the season. Yeah. So no, we're doing that, JD, Dav- really cool. JD Davison, you know, let's do it. Now, 
headed to Alabama. Uh, will be 19 on draft day. 6'3", 175, which the weight seems like oh, it could be low. Like, <laughs> you know, with Chet, it seems like uh, yeah. he, he was a, a little heavier than maybe you'd expect. Davison's brolic. Yeah, he is. He's brolic. Um, reported 6'4 and a half wingspan, not great. Not terrible, not a minus, but, uh, you know, he's not some super long dude. Uh, senior year stats, 32 points per game, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. Gator, uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in Alabama in 2020. He had one of those uh, aforementioned exhibition games, so he's already played in college uh, minimally. He had 19 points along with 7 turnovers in his debut. So let's get into the stock price. ESPN has him at 13. SB Nation has him at 21. Wow. Tankathon has him at 24. Basketball News has him at 15. Bleacher Report has him at 22. That's an average stock price of 19, and we are all over the place, Albert. All over the place. Wow. Damn, 19. Okay. I So, Corey, I think the way that you started all this off with your explanation, I think was really good because this guy is, that's once again, just going back to my original point, he is such a volatile prospect that I'm still amazed that you wanted to do him now, which I think is really cool because... The, the trajectory that we were on, we're like, top guys, top guys, top guys, the best of the best of the best. And then suddenly we throw J.D. Davison in here, and I think he is a really fun guy to talk about because unlike all the other guys we've talked about recently, there is real volatility to his stock. And so you're saying the average price of 19, that sounds really accurate for where we are right now before the season because he could literally go anywhere. And so it's kind of like like what like uh, the Podfather Bill Simmons talks about like when Vegas does not know the lines they'll just set it to four and a half and that's what they call the Vegas zone. Um, JD Davison being at nineteen is like being in the Vegas zone. We do not know how he's going to end up, and so him being nineteen feels like the average stock price being a nineteen feels absolutely spot on for me. And um, I'm really excited to keep talking about this with you, with you because he, like even even for our column for no ceilings. He was not my pick. I had no. Ty Ty Washington above him. So yeah. I'm I'm actually like oddly, oddly really excited to talk about this. But uh for me, 19 seems just about right. I and Ty Ty Washington as the best prospect in the conference, he very well may end up being that. Davison, though, I definitely a few of us definitely picked him. I picked him. And I think that there are just tools that he has where if you do get the version of him where it looks like he's peaking, it seems like those tools may be overwhelming um, as far as like, you know, comparing him to some of the other point guards in the class. But I, I can't really complain seeing him have an average stock price of 19. I think that maybe a, a site like Tankathon at 24 is probably low on him. I, I, I even think that any of the like above 19. I feel like just taking a flyer on a guy like him, you're going to, if you can get him at 19, I feel like the value is going to be great and and beyond. Personally, I think he's going to be closer to 10 than 20 to my, on my preseason rankings. I'm going to, 
uh, drop my, you know, the first written version of the draft deck so we can actually monitor where these guys are starting and where they're finishing and, and the journey all throughout the year. Uh, and that'll be okay. up on, on no ceilings, I believe on uh, the 9th, uh, November 9th. So I think a week from when we're recording, but I, I think he'll be closer to 10 than 20. I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that it's absurd or there's any reason that he shouldn't be there, but I think that he's going to be a guy who who's probably going to be a lottery guy at the end of the day because I think teams will probably end up betting on his athleticism unless something crazy happens. I mean, look, teams bet on Zaire Williams and his length and athleticism and, and size. and In the top 10? In the top 10. We'll see if that's a good bet or not. Uh, <laughs> we didn't. It's not a bet that we would have been willing mm-hmm. to to take uh i still wouldn't take it but you know to each their own and and i think gm sometimes are just like hey everything breaks right this could this could be big time i think davison's a guy like that now we usually start with shooting with a lot of these prospects because we love we love shooters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who doesn't Mm -hmm. it's the modern nba right everybody needs to shoot but i don't think that's where we start with jd davison because the second that you watch him on the screen it's not his shooting that pops. This kid is a freak athlete. So, uh, yeah. Albert, I-, I want you to talk to me a little bit about the kind of athlete that, that Davison is. <clears throat> you know, Corey, I-, I think his athleticism being the starting point makes a lot of sense. But also, his athleticism pops so much that I think our conversation later with the comps is going to be really interesting. Because he's a guy that gets you thinking about a lot of different people. Yes. Because athletically, like, so the biggest thing that the, in my notes, I started off with transition. I wrote, I wrote transition is the name of the game for J.D. Mm-hmm. Davison. This guy is an absolute blur in transition. And he, it's like, he's not just fast, but he has this kind of like, so on Sundays when you watch Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals, when you watch him run, there's that kind of like water bug, jitterbug energy to him. Right. It's like he's quick and he's fast, but he's also like elusive. Right. But then also for his size, like him having that compact build, there's a sturdy, odd sturdiness to him, too, even though he's that small. J.D. Davison is kind of like that for me. I felt like he was so damn fast and jumped so damn high, but also had so much power and anger in everything that he was doing. It was Honestly, it's intimidating. Like he's the type of guy that I would not want to be on the same floor as, and I never, and I never will be. I, I acknowledge <laughs> that I will never play basketball with somebody of that level on the same court. Actually, I should say never. You never know, right? Uh, not that I would belong stranger on that court. Thing, but... Stranger things have happened. Correct, correct. Like maybe I'll play in a celebrity game one day, right? A man. That's can what do. I'm saying. Right, right. But um, it you you have to talk about. His athleticism. The guy's unbelievable. He's really, really strong too. Like you talked about his weight, like 175 seeming low, see, seeming kind of low. His chest is big. Guy has a big old sturdy chest. And uh it, it seems like he uses, but some of the dunks, Corey, I, and that's kind of where we have to start. Some of the dunks just made no sense to me. Like I just Absurd. couldn't understand how he was getting so he doesn't just jump high, but he gets up there really quickly. And then also he can stay up there. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of a really fast paraglider sometimes. So that I'll stop there uh, and I'll let you talk about it. But um, an unbelievable athlete. And it kind of has to be the first thing that you talk about with him. Yeah, he his balance is wild. 
wild and it's a combination because you know like you mentioned like it's the power it's the, the hang time it's the smoothness like as a leaper he kind of is unparalleled uh i think in this class because i there's i don't think there's too many guys who have that kind of just straight up bounce and and he's like we said six three and it's not like he's crazy long so he really needs to get up to throw down some of these dunks he's like a power forward in a point guard's body right like that's how that's how strong and powerful he is like you mentioned in transition you know he's like i feel like you know a, a guard like uh i don't know in this class not that they'll play each other like uh, i don't know any any of the small like kennedy chandler um mm. you know maybe they, if they match up like he's tiny right like he's he's strong he's quick all that but like I feel like it'll be like Derrick Henry running through people if if they you know he tries to to stop him in transition. It's just it's rare, and I, I you know we love looking at like some elite tools at, at whatever it is, and I think that are, there are some you know elite tools that sometimes we convince ourselves are elite, like sometimes with big men that are bouncy and really all they could do is be a dive man. Sometimes we convince ourselves that like. Hey, they block a little some shots here and there, and they get dunked. So they're like these really athletic prospects. And really, it's like, do they have kind of like NBA dime a dozen athleticism, or are they going to be an elite athlete when they step on, step onto an NBA court in an NBA mm-hmm. context? And I think that Davison's athleticism is going to be elite on an NBA floor. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that drew me to, to Jalen Green. And Jalen Green, he's had a tough go to start his rookie year. I don't think anybody should panic. Um, we've seen he's he's resilient by how he bounced back from tough situations in the G League. We saw last year, last season, Anthony Edwards start out really shaky, really rocky. Right. And then he came on and hasn't slowed down since. So, um, but when I watched Jalen, I was like, wow, this, this athleticism is going to stand out no matter where he is. Now, the difference between Davison and Jalen Green is that Jalen Green, while he's bouncy, super quick, he's slight of frame. J.D. Davison's not getting pushed around, you know, as an athlete. So I think he's a special athlete. And and to me, that that's what really intrigues me. And it's why I think he's going to end up going higher than the 19. Hmm. That all that is fair, Corey. All that is really, really fair. I. I just to not even I'm not even pushing back. I just want to give kind of like a little bit of my fear in all of this. Yeah. Is that like it, you know, we we put up like a mid-major preview today. We talk about like Max Admus Abmus. I how do you even Amos? pronounce his name? Amos. I don't know. Yes. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you just said Anus. Um but anyway, <laughs> Max Abmus. Um, you know, like I, I've I'm always really weary. I know you and I are kind of this is kind of one area where you and I differ a little bit, where I feel like you kind of have an affinity for smaller guards, and I have like a little I, I have some, you know, reservations when it comes to smaller guards. And with Davison, I'm not saying that he's exactly like Dennis Smith Jr., but we saw what happened to Dennis Smith Jr. And that yep. scares me a little bit, right? And As ultimately. Right. And ultimately, Dennis Smith Jr. is not even like my ultimate cop for him. But guys like that kind of scare me a little bit. Those smaller guards who are really athletic but can't ultimately 
kind of you know smooth out the the rough edges and you know that type of stuff so i i hear what you're saying the athleticism is scary like his affinity for windmill dunks is unbelievable and he just is he's crazy like but between the legs in transition amazing you know him going up for a tip dunk awesome like all that stuff is really good and you know what you mentioned before that he's a power forward and a point guard's body. That was really good because I felt that too, but I actually felt that more on the defensive side, which we'll mm. get to later. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm with you. He's a very, very special athlete, but I think things will get interesting when we talk about like the other aspects of his game, but I'm, I'm with you, man. He's definitely a freak. Yeah. Well, you know, the aspects of his game, like one of my questions is like, is he a point guard? Yes. Like, is that something he even is? And now, Quickly, you know, before we go back, you know, with Dennis Smith Jr., I was not a Dennis Smith Jr. guy. Um, he does fit the bill as far as, like, is he going to be an elite athlete on an NBA floor? Like, obviously, he does elite athlete stuff with, with a lot of his dunks and whatnot. But he's smaller than Davison. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, like, what, six foot? Is he? Maybe. Maybe not sure. like Davison, mm-hmm. if Davison's a legit six three and he doesn't look small out on the floor with That's his true. strength and power, it's a little bit different. It in the previews we did for no ceilings, like uh I said that I'm being cautious about an early assessment on Kennedy Chandler for the same reason. He looks really tiny on the floor. Mm-hmm. The athleticism popped, the speed, the playmaking. I think the shooting is you know, it'll be pretty okay at the college level at least. I think that going into the season, I certainly like him better for that Tennessee team than I did Jaden Springer, but he looks small. And so I'm also weary of the small guard thing. Now you can mm-hmm. say like I was, you know, uh, standing hard for Davion Mitchell, but you know, there's to me, Davion was always bigger than his mm-hmm. height because he was as strong as a small forward mm-hmm. and as quick as somebody who is that height. So he had this rare blend of, of of speed and power that worked. I don't think Davison has that same speed that like a guy like Davion does, but I do think he's bigger and he does have that strength. And then obviously mm-hmm. the bounce is, is otherworldly, but the skills, the skills is going to determine whether is this guy going to be 19 or is he going to be a guy that ends up being picked like eighth and he's the first point guard taken off the board. Because the point, yeah. I, I think right now the point guard crop is very wide open as to who is going to be the best point guard. So, That's fair. I, but is he a point guard at all? Tell, talk to me about you know his his feel, his his playmaking, just the things you want your point guard to do. Okay, so for me, when it came to his passing, my initial reaction was, I think he has he has this like big desire to make really flashy passes. Um, And you see that, like you can see him kind of shifting his head away because he's anticipating to make a really wicked, no look whip, but like whip pass. Yeah. Um, You get a lot of those. Uh, You see him kind of, you know, hesitating and like hanging his dribble, trying to wait and let things develop for him to make like a really flashy pass. But I don't think he's naturally like a gifted passer. Mm. I think this is a discussion that we had a couple weeks ago about uh, prospects and players overall who are just innate 
facilitators, innate playmakers, innate passers, guys who can feel their teammates, guys who are looking to pass, guys who are excited to pass, guys who really enjoy that. I don't get that from Davison at all. But at the same time, I don't think I'm also saying that he has like tunnel vision. So mm. for me, it's I think it's good that he has the desire once in a while to make a really flashy pass. But the one thing that we know, Corey, uh, that obviously you can speak to is that a lot of those flashy passes that these high-end players are making in high school are not available in the college or NBA level at all. Like those are not going to be there at all. And NBA level defenders are going to be able to read that stuff. They're going to know when that stuff is coming. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, what I wrote here is I don't think he has tunnel vision, but I also don't see him averaging tennises per game like ever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, is that really bad? Like Dame averages like what, like seven assists a game. Yeah. That's pretty good. You know, that's, yeah. that's a pretty good thing. But I also got the feeling, Corey, one last thing. I also got the feeling that like sometimes it was like he was passing more out of necessity, like mm -hmm. as like a lifeline. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I am at with his evaluation as a passer, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's a, an incredibly fair evaluation. I, I mean, like you said, like, I, I don't think that he wants to pass first. I don't know in this version of the NBA if that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that we're starting to see a shift maybe towards guys thinking that passing is cool again. You know, like obviously with LaMelo, Josh Giddy, um granted those these are these jumbo playmakers. But I I don't know if you look at a lot of the NBA guards how many of them even are that traditional kind of let's get into the offense and, and run our sets kind of guards in the NBA with a wide open floor. And maybe it ends up looking a little bit better than maybe it's going to look like in college. But, you know, you, you said like in the NBA, a lot of those flashy passes won't be there. They might not be there in college either. They probably won't be. And right. I mean, you know, look, I didn't watch the first exhibition game. I don't know if it was even televised or not, but if just looking, uh, you know, through the, the you know write-ups on it seven turnovers in an exhibition game versus talent that's not going to stack up against the kind of teams that he ends up playing against that's a lot that's high and maybe sometimes you know you're you're running at la fitness or whatever court you play at and you it's pickup you know you you know you're going to smash a team you start trying to get creative so maybe you get a little loose a little sloppy and maybe when the competition's a little bit better you don't try to, you know, showboat as much and you're actually playing a little bit smarter. So maybe there's a little bit of that too. But even still, seven turnovers in any game is is a lot for a guy that you want to theoretically run your offense in the a traditional sense. So it's gonna be really interesting to monitor that part of his game. Um what about his shooting? So what I wrote here is his shooting grew on me. Mm -hmm. um yeah i think initially i had this yeah like i had this bias as soon as i started watching him i was like oh this guy's not a shooter mm -mm. <laughs> that's not a shooter like you know i we, i think i'm some like shooting genius or something like i know prospects are going to be good shooters or not obviously i've been so wrong about prospects shouts to uh tyrese Halliburton. but yes. you know like as soon as i watched him i'm like ah get out of here not a shooter this kid's just an athlete he knows he can get by anyone in high school that's all he's going to do and then I watched his like state title game from like a year ago or two years ago. And I was like, oh, 
um, you know, maybe he deserves a little bit more credit. I, I, once again, like, I don't think he's going to be a Dennis Smith Jr. type of shooter. Um, from what I saw, like, the shooting was there. Like, he's not a terrible shooter. I, I wasn't watching him shoot going like, oh, that's disgusting. You know, like, the, there was some promising stuff, and he was not shy about it either in a, a lot of the games that I was watching. So I, I think for shooting, I wrote, his shooting grew on me. I don't think he's a marksman uh, by any means, but I also don't think he's Dennis Smith Jr. is how I ultimately feel. So he's kind of like in between for me. I think he's like an all right shooter. I don't think that's going to be his calling card ever. So, so, you know, it's funny, Corey, the more I talk about him, the more I think like if he can really hone in his athleticism and some of the wild because we haven't talked about him driving to the basket which is something right. that i think we should talk about but anyway um if he can kind of hone in some of that stuff and can keep working on his shooting like we've seen derrick rose work mm -hmm. on his shooting and later on in his career i think davison can have an nba a pretty good nba career but uh i definitely don't think he's a marksman by any means at all no and i mean it's apparent he he shot it really poorly in like the 2019 eybl season but like you said, it's not a broken shot. It's not ugly. You, you don't look at it and just cringe and go, this right. is going to be a process. You could see that. I, I think that he's a guy that like, hey, you better get up on him because he will pull it and he's capable of hitting it. Now, I almost feel like, and this is honestly, it, this isn't one of my comps, but like Drew Holiday is not a marksman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and But he's going to knock down shots. And he's mm -hmm. not a guy that you go wonder on. You'd rather, you know, force him to, you know, settle for like a tough mid-range shot um, than just settle for a clean open three. So I I think that Davison might end up kind of the same way. Like he's not going to be a guy who's shooting 42% from three, but, you know, if he can get to 36, 37%, right. he's enough of a threat to now open up that driving game, getting into the paint, getting to the hoop where maybe he could use his strength, his athleticism, put pressure on the rim. So I, I think for me, that's why I wanted to start at the shooting, because I yeah. think that that's going to open up the dribble drive game for him. Yeah, I, I think that's really fair. I, I definitely agree with all that. Um, yeah, like a part of me also does wonder if he has like one season where he shoots like 28% from three. Um, that would shock you know. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I, I hope our listeners don't take this as me hating on him, but like that's why that's just kind of where I'm at with his shooting. I think there is a possibility that he keep, keeps working on it and he gets better because, as you mentioned, it's not broken, it's not gross. I really, I freaking hate Devin v Vassell because I remember <laughs> that draft season and I watched him shoot. I was like, that's disgusting. There, yeah, no, that's gross. And then now you watch him and he's so smooth, and I'm Chip just England. like. F you. I know. I know. It, it really is chipping with. Um, I want him to teach me how to shoot. But um, it's unbelievable how much he's cleaned that up. And so, yeah, I mean, Davison might be another guy like that where maybe he gets into the league and he finds the right shooting coach and he cleans things up, cleans the things up. I don't remember who the shooting coach was on the Hornets that helped AD. But I remember reading about that years ago that, you know, they, they helped AD move the ball away from his face. And like it really helped him as a shooter and he, he really blossomed in that. But anyway. If Davison can find a coach like that and clean that up, then he does get really scary. But as we kind of transition, Corey, I did want to ask you what you thought about his driving. Because in my opinion, I thought it was a little hit or miss, and I was kind of surprised by that. 
yeah, I would have I was gonna use the word erratic. Uh because it's it's <laughs> yeah. a processing thing, I think. You know, like uh I think that obviously the ability to get into the paint uses for a step, uses strength, is there. It's the all right, I'm in the in-between, a help defender slid over, and now what am I doing? Am I getting to the rim? Am I making a play? Am I shooting a floater? It's the decision making when guys actually rotate. Hmm. You know, now uh, part of me thinks like a lot of times in high school, there's such sloppy rotations that sometimes it's like you're not expecting the the player to be in a different a specific position. It's a little sloppy, and and you're learning as is. In college, um, I think you know, obviously guys will be a little bit smarter in their rotations. You'll be able to game plan a little bit more. You'll probably, you'll still see zones, but you know, you'll probably see a little bit less than you do in, in high school at times. And there's, there's just more advanced things that you can learn from being a part of a college team than you are in, in these high school or AAU situations. Uh, and man, his AAU team was really fun. Him, Jabari Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Cleveland, Mm-hmm. Fun, fun team. Terrible to watch because it's AAU basketball, but theoretically fun team. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's what's he going to do when he gets to his spots? Because he won't have trouble getting there. But for me, it was the decision making. And sometimes he made the right decision, and it looked fucking awesome. And sometimes he didn't make the right decision, and it's like uh, another turnover. So yeah, erratic. Mm. Corey, it's it's really interesting you brought up Jabari Smith, and I know we're going to have that episode one day, but watching him play with Davidson, sometimes I was like, is this guy good at basketball? Like, the hell am I watching? Like, I was actually, like, I was having very visceral reactions to some of the stuff he was doing on the court. I was like, this guy's kind of bad, but... I mean, let, let me let me wait. Um, I just didn't like some of the stuff he was doing on the court, and I was, like, really confused by him and all the love that he's getting. But look, I haven't watched enough of Jabari Smith, so I will wait Till that time comes and you'll have more meaningful film when that time does come i will i will it's just i was kind of baffled by some of the stuff he was doing but anyway uh davison um i 100 agree with you i think him attacking the basket was like a real hardware software type of discussion where he has the hardware where he can get by anybody essentially he's got a good enough handle right i i you know, I think his handle is strong enough. Yeah, um, he's yeah, got the sure. first step. He's got the burst. He's got the speed. But it's the software stuff, as exactly like you mentioned. I can't even. I feel like I can't even fairly give him a grade on like his in between stuff because I don't feel like I saw enough of it. I don't feel like I saw enough of him putting up floaters or mm-hmm. pulling up for mid range shots. I just saw him either shooting a three or going straight to the basket. And Corey, one thing that I want to say is I felt like he was really pressing the issue when it came to attacking the rim i I felt like he was really forcing things and that kind of annoyed me at times i'm like dude like can you kind of learn to pump the brakes learn to kind of mix up speeds like i i wrote about jordan hall uh i don't i don't remember if that was yesterday or today or whatever but you know those savvy guys who don't have the athleticism they know how to mix up speeds and change pace and stuff like that and i feel like that's something that davison has to work on and de- develop because from what i saw when he was attacking the rim he was kind of like a bull in a china shop he was really trying to make stuff happen and it wasn't always the prettiest so uh yeah i did want to say that i feel like that's something he really needs to work on because sometimes it got really messy so you saying erratic that sounds really accurate to me because it got 
kind of gnarly at times. And I, and I hope he figures it out because we saw like BJ Boston last year, Zaire Williams last year, these guys, when they went to the rim, it was pretty disgusting. It was really bad. And I'm hoping that Davison doesn't run into that issue. And so actually, Corey, I want to ask you because I, I truly don't know, like I, I don't, I've never played at that level, so I have no idea, but how does a how does a player or a young player like Davison how does he work on that? Is it simply just playing more, or like what are some things you can do coaching wise to have a young player develop in that in between game? Honestly, I mean, obviously the skill stuff, like you know, that's that's obvious for for anything. It's repetitions, mm-hmm. you know, putting yourself in drills where you can mimic a certain situation that mm-hmm. you want to improve on, but at the end of the day, everybody's doing that, right? So to me, it really comes down to like film. Like, are you going to watch and be able to learn from the situations? You know, in in high school, a lot of times with film sessions, it's, you know, it's the kids think it's boring. It's like attending a lecture. And if the wrong person is speaking, it is boring, Mm -hmm. right? So, but you have to want to watch film and it can't just be, Hey, I want to watch film so I could see the cool stuff I did on the court. That stuff you need to kind of be like, all right, this is what I did. This is what worked and this is why it worked. But you really want to look at the stuff like this is what went wrong. Why did it go wrong? And then mm-hmm. not just hear why it went wrong, but like anything else, if you were learning algebra, you sometimes need to ask questions like why are what's the purpose of doing this? What's the next step? Basketball is the same way. I think mm-hmm. basketball is such a, a an easy game to understand. Once mm-hmm. you understand it, it's like, which doesn't you know make sense. Like obviously, anything you understand once you understand something, it's it seems simple enough. But like basketball is so complicated until mm-hmm. you recognize the patterns and go, oh, everything's the same, right? You know, right. and and that's just going to be reps and experience and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that part of the game, it's like, how do you, do you know? Like, you don't know. You don't know if if he has that or not until you see improvements over the course of a, a season. If things get worse and the, or, you know, the processing speed doesn't improve, then it's like, all right, there's no way you're like really grinding film on your own with assistant coaches. You might just be sitting in film sessions. You got to want to do that stuff. And that's the stuff that is boring and sometimes it's easier to just be like, Oh, let me go get in the gym, but you need to really watch it so you can understand because you need to see it with your own eyes. You know, it's funny. Like we had, um, you know, probably the best player going into my high school season, which starts in a couple of weeks. He broke his toe, like probably missed like the last three fall, fall league games. Okay. And, um, you know, he was sitting next to me on the bench and he was just like, wow. He's like, now I know why, you 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 guys yell at us <laughs> and i said yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. we see it all when you're on mm-hmm. the court you don't necessarily see everybody messing up and or one person blowing up the entire play or the the running back slowly effort or just barreling in and the the breaking out of the offense all the little nuances i was like yeah it's you could see it from a different lens now because you're not sulking because you're not playing because you're hurt. You can't play. Mm-hmm. So now you're still engaged in the game in a way right. where you're actually trying to watch it mm-hmm. instead of playing it. And um, sometimes that offers a new perspective when you actually have your eyes open that way. And I think that that's how players 
really get better. It's the understanding mm. and the IQ. And I think film, the skill stuff, everybody does. Everybody's going to want to do it. You're on the court, you're playing. It's fun. But can you bring, bring that in, watch the film, and then kind of be like, you know what? I'm going to, now I know what to do when I get to the spot because I know that person is going to be open in the corner or cutting to the mm-hmm. hoop or whatever the, the situation arises. So I, I think that is how you get better. But I think that it's also one of those things where everybody's an individual, everybody's different, everybody learns in a different way. So it's really up to the player. Dude, I think all of that is so interesting. And it kind of gives me like inspiration and makes me want to see if maybe we can integrate some like tape breakdown even on our pod just because i remember i was driving home actually this was just yesterday the knicks and the raptors were playing and i was driving home and i had the uh nba tv telecast playing in the car now folks this is not me being an irresponsible driver i had it playing but i wasn't watching (laughs) i was driving safe you know i drive 40 miles one way just to get home so um i i was just playing it but i in la exactly in la um, oh God. Um, but anyway, I heard, I think it was Candace Parker and Isaiah Thomas, and they were talking about the Raptors and the defensive concepts that they run and the whole like nail heavy stuff that they mm-hmm. run to keep um, the offense from attacking the rim, but also that leaves them vulnerable to like the weak side three point shooting and stuff like that. And they kind of accept that. Right. And they, they can accept that because they have these long, lanky, athletic wings that they feel like can recover to the weak side or can recover to like a skip pass or a swing pass or whatever and can get out there and can test three-point shots. But anyway, Corey, I, I think all that's really interesting. And I think it, it, it's it's weird, not weird, but it's interesting to think about a guy like Davison and will he be able to watch the tape and pick that type of stuff up? And maybe that's something that we should do too and maybe break down tape. And Because that's something that I want to learn more about as well. Like how are these guards when they're attacking the rim, how are they reading the weak side help? How are they reading the big? And what are some things that the bigs are doing to kind of – show their hand as well you know i, I think all yep. that stuff is really cool so anyway that's why i wanted to ask because i i you know i wonder how players develop in those areas so yeah yeah and, and you know like we said we'll see we'll see how he develops and yeah. maybe he comes out of the gate and he's just awesome right away <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's terrible the only way is is to figure it out is going to be with time but we don't know you know we at this point of the season we haven't I know I haven't spoken to anybody from Alabama who, you know, knows what's going on with them. So, you know, the only thing that we can do is wait patiently and watch and and see with our own eyes when we get the opportunity to get our our eyeballs on on some film. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, now that we got the whole no ceiling set up and and everything, I think, you know, we'll definitely be able to integrate new ideas and and different pieces of content that uh, I think will help everybody get better at at this evaluation thing and learn and it's going to be dope yeah defensively Hmm. talk to me about you know your first impression of him uh, on the defensive Hmm. side of the ball well the first thing that i wanted to say is his team in high school was tiny like what the hell was that like (laughs) why was his team so small like i know he played i know he didn't play prep and i was he's just playing like a local high school so maybe that's why but like i felt like his teammates were freaking small dudes. And like my heart kind of went out for him because you mentioned it before. I'll bring it up again. You said he's a power forward in a point guard's body. And I was like watching him play. And I'm like, well, they didn't really give him a chance to be anything else. Huh? Like he was really <laughs> getting down there. I, he was constantly boxing dudes out. Um, I saw him protect the rim a ton more than I ever thought I would. Um, he was just defending around the rim so much. And I was like, 
God damn, like this guy is 6'3", and he's going up against like monsters. But to his credit, he was holding it. You know, he was holding it down. Like there were some really impressive blocks. Like he's the, he might be the angriest shot blocker I've ever seen in my life. Like he, <laughs> there are a couple where he was like tomahawk dunking on blocks. Like he was yeah. like cocking back his arms just to destroy um, some shots at the rim. And I was like, wow, like this guy is angry and pissed off. But I was really, really impressed with that. Um, but ultimately, Corey, what I wrote here is I, I still need to see more. Um, he clearly has the athleticism. He has an awesome build. Um, I, I actually didn't know his wingspan numbers until you told me. And I actually thought his wingspan was kind of decent. Like I felt like he was using his length pretty well when it was like blocking shots or trying to like, tip, tip some passes and stuff. But um, in my mind, just from the limited tape that I saw, I felt like he has the potential to develop into a pretty good defender. Now, I don't think he'll be able to guard up to the three, but like ones and twos, I feel like if he keeps owning, like honing his craft as a defender, I don't see why not because he did a lot. Like he was asked to do so much in high school and I kind of respected that part of his game. Yeah. Uh his size should allow him to do that. I actually think that physically you're not going to start him on threes, but I think that physically he has it in him to hold up against threes on switches. And now you, you really want to be scheme versatile, right? Like that's what the ideal player is in today's NBA. You want to be a guy who can not only guard your spot, but guard multiple spots. And, uh, I think that um, Davison is is somebody who just physically with the tools, he's going to have the capability to do that. Like you said, we have to see more. In high school, those overwhelming skills are just sometimes enough to kind of just get you through and, and not you don't have to think the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball is really tough. It's really hard to, to figure out rotations and stuff. It's harder, I think, than figuring out the offense because the offense – you're kind of, you're dictating it, right? You're making the decisions a lot of times. You're you know where your options are and you could simulate the reads that you're going to need to make. Defensively, a lot of times even if you scout, these players aren't going to remember every single part of the offense. This is not the NBA playoffs. These are going to be, you know, one game college games, you know, they're right, you're right. The, the the scouting is not nearly as in depth because um you're just you know, you're, you don't get to see the same thing over and over and over and over again. So the, defensively, you have to, you know, adjust on the fly as the offense is dictating where, you know, certain things are going. Now, again, it's pattern recognition. And a lot of times defensively, like they're very simple concepts that if you don't sell out um, uh, and get caught up into it, you can kind of figure out fairly easily just by doing it a a bunch of times and getting those playing time reps. Right. Especially as we said, if you're actually watching the film, but you know, we're not going to get that watching high school film a lot. It's a lesson in futility to guess, unless you're actually watching one of these kind of, you know, big time defensive prospects that you just know they're going to be legit from, you know, jump street. But physically, he's got the tools. I think he he moves the right way. He's a he's a very smooth mover. 
So I, I'm interested to see what he looks like. And I think that Alabama is the type of situation where, you know, they'll expect him to defend. So I, I think that um, he's going to be one of these guys where, like you said, he, he'll get the block, he's going to get steals, and it's going to lead to that transition. He wants to run. I love that he rebounds, you know, 11 rebounds a game in high school. Right. For, you know, a guard is tremendous. And, yeah. you know, the last part of defense is getting the ball so you have it on offense. And uh, I think he's going to be a really strong rebounder. And I think that rebounds are even easier to get in the NBA. And when, mm. you know, with all the extra space, like you get it and go. And and that's going to be something that's beneficial to him. But uh, as far as like breaking down what you saw, yeah, he's he's able to stay in front of high school kids and, right. you know, and, and whatnot. But in... Uh, His- Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean his his uh, his rebounding was uh, very uh, Cole Anthony esque, you know. Cole uh, Anthony, that. <laughs> white hot right now. I mean Anthony. The, I mean again with the rebounding, but just everything for Cole Anthony right now. Yeah, yeah. you're you're too Cole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree with everything that you said. He. We just need to see more. That, that's all it is. And it kind of sucks that we've been giving that answer for so many of these prospects right now. Like, we got to see more. We got to see more. And I'm sorry, guys. If you're listening right now, like, this is not a cop-out for us. It's not like we haven't done our homework. It's the quality of play that we had to watch of them in high school and AAU. Like, that stuff is garbage. It's really bad. And so, uh, please understand, we will have more insight on them defensively. But we need to see them play against, like, real competition with real structure and format. So, yeah, I- I'm with you all the way. All right. I, I think that um, we can finally get to our comps. So if, if you're buying stock in, in J.D. Davison, who may you have bought stock in previously? Um, I, I saw on our article for No Ceilings, I think it was Nathan, he compared him to Colin Sexton. I, I think Colin Sexton was more gifted as a scorer. Yeah. Um, like most definitely. But I think the comp with Colin Sexton is interesting because I think he has Colin Sexton bull energy. Mm. Uh, he's angry like Colin Sexton is angry. Colin Sexton is angry that people don't call him the goat already. That's the type of angry energy that Colin Sexton has. And I said yeah. already, like it's going to happen one day. It's not going to happen. I, I think Colin Sexton's excellent, but he's not going to be the goat. Um, no. But I think J.D. Davison has that type of energy, the Colin Sexton anger. Like, he was so freaking angry um, in the games that I was watching him play. Like, I, I just, I worried about him a little bit. Like, he's he's a young guy. Like, yeah. enjoy life, brother. Like, take a chill pill. Like, life is not that serious, but he's he's serious, man. You got I mean, some when chips he's on, the on court, his shoulder, man. Oh, yeah, big time, big freaking chips. He's angry. He is ferocious. So that's where I saw the Colin Sexton comp. Obviously, I mentioned you know Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr. before. I think that's fair. I, as you mentioned, DSA is smaller, so I think that's fair as well. The guy who came to mind to me, um, I don't think Davison has the same handle that this guy had. But I'm going back to my 90s again. Don't hate me, early 2000s. I'm going to Steve Francis, the franchise. Oh. Mm. Um, I, I, the reason why I I say Steve Francis is because there's some similarities to their games, man. Steve Francis was unbelievable in the dunk contest and i and i hope people don't just remember him for that but steve francis was a guy who was a really gifted um scorer like he he was a freak athlete who had great handle 
if you go back and watch some of those highlights, man, the stuff that he was doing to guys crazy with the ball, unbelievable. Um, so yeah, th that th there's that, but also Steve Francis was a limited scorer as well. He wasn't a fantastic shooter. Um, once he started to lose his legs, we saw what he did with the New York Knicks. That was freaking painful. We even saw it Not at the, the best tail end. I know that. Uh, the tail end with the magic before he came to the Knicks wasn't always great. So um, that's where I kind of landed. Um, obviously, it's not a perfect comp. None of our comps are. But I thought of Steve Francis because there's a lot to like there. There's some really tantalizing ability as an athlete and with a mentality and his all that stuff. But there are also limitations to his game, which make me very weary of him as a prospect. So that's why I went with Steve Francis. Yeah, tantalizing is a very good word to describe him. And Steve Francis certainly was as well. My comp, going back to the same era, and I think for the same reasoning, and I put it in, in my article, I see a lot of Baron Davis in him. Because it's another guy wow. who, you know, you want to talk about like, dunking ability and bounce like steve francis had it but baron davis was putting you yeah. like he's burying you in the in the court like he would dunk on you and that thing would he would just destroy you annihilate you he had some of the most vicious dunks ever and he was another guy that was built like a big man as a guard you know, he was just jacked and brolic and strong. And the combination mm -hmm. of speed and power was so impressive to, to see. And uh, he wasn't a great shooter, but he was a, a great get my shot offer. And a lot of times that led to some really impressive volume scoring. And I think that now he'd have been a little bit more appreciated in today's game. And I think it would have benefited him a little bit more. I think people thought that the volume was a little high back then, but if you just implanted that to today, I think the, the, the shot diet looks a little bit more uh, enticing. Right. But still, you never think of Baron Davis as a knockdown shooter. He was a guy that was able to use that, that shooting and the threat of that shooting just enough to get into the paint and do what he did best, which is attack the rim and be a, a really crazy shot maker. Um, and, and passer. I mean, his passing, he had some of those same highlight passes, but you would never think of Baron Davis as having control of the offense like you may think of, you know, a more traditional point guard uh, of the time. So I, I think that's very, very top end outcome for for davison mm. you know if he could be baron davis mm -hmm. but i think it's attainable and um but like you said you also meant uh you know mentioned dennis smith jr a couple of times and again i think that maybe he theoretically has a higher floor because he's a little bit bigger but you see he's one of the more volatile guys we've discussed in a very long time yeah man a hundred percent now Honestly, you bringing up Baron Davis has me like thinking about like the old school Hornets and I'm thinking about like David Wesley and random people. <laughs> <David> anyway, <Wesley. laughs> hey, when's the last time Love you it. heard David Wesley, right? Okay. 
<laughs> oh, it's been a while in conversation for sure. Bobby Jones. But anyway, sorry. Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you, dude. I, I just I think the BD one's really, really interesting. And it kind of makes you think of like a lot of those guys. And you know what, Corey, as you were talking and you were talking about like the shot, you know, volume and uh, sorry, not the volume, but like the 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 diet and where they'd be taking shots. A guy like that who I was thinking about recently is like Monte Ellis. Like I wonder mm-hmm. what Monte Ellis would look like now. Right. Maybe a little less of the mid range and more three pointers. And he was such a he was so good at finishing at the rim, too. But anyway, yeah. I, I'm with you, dude. Like he he's a bigger guard. Like he's a little chunkier. He's not small. He's not frail. He's got a big old chest. I think he's going to do well for himself. So I definitely agree with you. But ultimately, I think, Corey, you and I really agree. There are questions that he needs to answer. And and mm-hmm. I don't even think we're asking him to answer all of them in college, but I no. want to see him start to answer them and start yeah. to address those questions. And if he can, then I, I don't think it's crazy at all if, from my perspective. Um, sorry, not that you were saying that either, but I, I could see him move up in the top 10 as well. And, and maybe I'll be more aligned with how you're seeing him. Yeah, that's it. I just, I I look at, if we're going to do preseason rankings, I think now's the time to project upside a little bit heavier. You know, like uh, once we actually see these kids play in college, you can, you you really have to rein yourself in as far as being realistic as to what their potential outcome could be, what their median outcome is going to be. And, you know, what's the likelihood that they, you know, exceed the median outcome. Now, preseason rankings we can kind of have fun and and Mm -hmm. look at potential and say there might be other guys that you know have a better control of the offense and whatnot but ain't nobody has has the elite elite athleticism from the guard spot that he has so that's kind of what i see in him and why i think he's volatile and and why i'm a little bit higher on his upside than you know a a site like sb nation bleach report tankathon is preseason yeah, um, I'm 100% with you. Also, I want to correct myself. I think I re- I just said Bobby Jones before. I was definitely thinking of Bobby Phils. So yeah. uh, not, not Bobby Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I feel like I, I did have a Bobby Jones conversation recently. I feel like maybe he's doing something with the Kings. Oh. Po- possibly, I don't know. Um, hmm. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah. So I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, we got one segment left. Okay. So I'm going to need you to sell me this pen on J.D. Davison. Here we go. Uh, J.D. Davison. um, Obviously, he is a prospect that you're interested because you're listening to this pod. Uh, He's a guy that is an unbelievable athlete. He might even grade out as being the best athlete in in his draft class. Who knows? I'm not saying he is, but he might. He's that type of athlete. He's a freak athlete. Uh, He's a guy who has the tendency to throw a flashy pass once in a while. Uh, he's a better shooter than people think or that I thought. <laughs> Maybe you're just talking about myself. Uh, but he's a pretty decent shooter. And I think that's something he's obviously going to work on because I know that he has aspirations of someday becoming a very good NBA player. So I just, you know, if you're interested in guys who are freak athletes, guys who kind of start with a higher floor than other guys in in his draft range because not his draft range but his draft class because he's such a freak athlete uh then you should be interested in JD Davison and I think some of the soft skills that we were talking about I think you know as a season progresses in college if he works on those and he develops in those areas then he becomes a very very interesting prospect at the top end of the draft as well 
I love it, and I cannot wait to watch J.D. Davison. So I think that wraps up up the episode. And um, Albert, let's uh, let everyone know where they could find Garbage Time Gim. <laughs> you can find me at Garbage Time Gim on Twitter. You can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter as well. I, I'm living two lives, but it's okay. I'm, I'm happy with my choices. Um, before we go, though, I do want to give a shout out to Corey um, and his and his hat. Uh, and his snapback because I think the <laughs> brim of your hat is green, so it is. It, it, yeah, it's really cool. It, it, I, for our, for everyone who's watching on our Spotify video pods, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying how cool Corey, the brim of Corey's hat is. But um, yeah, also really proud of what we're doing at No Ceilings NBA. Um, I was able to contribute on a couple of them, not all of them. Uh, life has been busy, but um, yeah, I our team is awesome, Corey. Um, I'm really excited about all that. I'm also, you know, going to be a guest on a pod this week, which is really cool. Shouts to Draft Capital. I'm excited for that one. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. But also wanted to plug your stuff, dude. I watched your Rooks video and you were talking about mm -hmm. the Jumbo Playmaker. And I thought it was cool that you threw that in here in our pod as well, because I, I think you're right. You know, it really is the wave. And so everybody, make sure you go check out Corey's stuff on YouTube. That Rook stuff has been awesome. So wanted to give you a plug as well. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I cannot wait to listen to the Draft Capital episode that that you're on. It's going to be a, a very proud moment. Um, yeah, watch watch Rooks uh, episode two. Hit um, a bunch of really fun rookie prospects from the week that I thought weren't getting a, a ton of love. Well, some of them were. I think Josh Giddy's been getting a decent amount of love, but Franz Wagner oh, yeah. has not been getting enough love. Um, so go and check out uh, episode two of Rooks on the NBA Draft Dude YouTube channel. Uh, I'm getting pretty good at the, the screen screen thing. So I'm excited for the film sesh because I'm going to, I've said it a couple of times, I'm fucking the game up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check out No Ceilings. Um, you can hit up No Ceilings NBA on social, uh, noceilings.substack.com for all the written work. Subscribe to it, go straight to your email. And um, we're writing some really fun pieces. We, we did all the previews. I did a write up. Um, immediately reacting to the first G League Ignite game that you could find touching on what Jaden Hardy looked like, um, Marjan Beauchamp, uh, right. you know, a couple of Dyson Daniels. Nathan wrote about LaMelo Ball last week. You know, we got some really fun pieces this week. I know uh, Tyler Metcalf and Nathan are doing a collaboration on Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. It's going to be fun. And um, – Tyler Rucker is going to be doing an international thing. I think Nick's doing mm -hmm. a Marcus Bagley piece. Bagley, yeah. It's going to be a lot of a lot of really good stuff, and we're doing putting out content every single day on No Ceiling. So make sure right. you subscribe to that and follow us on on social platforms. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, you can follow me at Corey Teleba on Twitter, and you can find all of the things we just talked about there. Really exciting time. Yeah, we're, I'm going um, to the Champions Classic next week. I mean, we're getting oh. there, man. Mm hmm. That's that's sick, dude. Really quickly before we go. Yep. I just want to say one thing. Yeah. Um, for our listeners out there, if you ever doubted us, right, you're kind of iffy about our evaluations about prospects. I just want to say we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But go no. back. Go back to our friends <clears throat> Franz Wagner episode last year. OK, go back to that episode and then go go watch Franz Wagner play in the league right now. And then thank us later because Corey, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like the, the way that we talked about Wagner and the way that he's playing in year one, which honestly, Corey, even I'm surprised because you know yeah. how high I, I was on him. We you both were, you were. loved him. 
Very. We, we, I think we both loved him a lot. And so for our listeners out there, if you ever, if you've ever doubted us, go back and listen to that part about Franz. This is me kind of, you know, we're, we're going to take a little lap here and say that, you know, we, we told y'all about this guy. So just wanted to throw that in there before we go. <laughs> been, been absolutely, absolutely balling. And, uh, and that's going to do it. We're out. We're rambling at this point, but <laughs> worthwhile rambles, oh, yeah. I would say. But thank you, everybody, for rocking with us through the offseason. We're getting so close. I mean, literally, like I said, the, the season kickoff at Madison Square Garden is happening next Tuesday. Uh, I'm going. It's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to watch these teams. And uh, in person, scouted in person to see, you know, have that experience already. Man, exciting times ahead. The offseason is over. We're, we're here. We here. Here we go. Thanks for rocking with us, guys. We out. Peace. Peace.